0: Welcome back, everyone. We had a bit of a marathon session with um, Lloydy yesterday who gave us some tips around what to look for uh, to spot potentially failing companies. So today we take a bit of a, a little bit of a different turn. We've got a special guest from Turks Legal and, by the way, they host the Best Melbourne Cup function, which we've missed this year. And we're going to talk about a few things. Firstly, we're going to continue the discussion a little bit around insolvency holidays but more from a legal point of view. And also uh, touch on some draft insolvency legislation and, of course, everyone's favourite topic to celebrate the 10-year birthday of PPSA. Dave, do you want to do the honours again and introduce our guest?
1: Sure. Well, we're very honoured to have uh, Daniel Turk from Turk's Legal here. Uh, Daniel, uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And I'm remembering the last time I saw you, I think, was at a Bon Jovi concert. We were waiting for (laughs) John Bon Jovi to play Blaze of Glory. We're still waiting.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, that was a good night. And, and uh, yeah, it was, it was good, all the reminiscing with the, with Bon Jovi when they were yes. going. It's amazing how you can remember all the words for the songs. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, last week
1: we spoke to Dave Lloyd about warning signs and what to look for if a company is failing. Uh, Daniel, from your experience, can you give us some pointers on how to tell if you're trading with an insolvent company and whether any payments you receive would be considered preferential?
2: Yes, so... Whether a company is uh, trading whilst insolvent comes down to a test on whether it's unable to pay its debts as and when they fall due. Mm -hmm. And obviously, when you're dealing with a company, you don't have access to its uh, records, and so you don't really know if it's able to pay its debts as and when it falls due. But there's a few things that uh, you can uh, notice about the company when you're uh, dealing with it that may... um, put you on notice or, or um, raise suspicion that it may have be having trouble paying its debts as and when they fall due. You know, simply they tell you they can't pay you at mm-hmm. the moment because mm-hmm. they haven't got the money. Um, that's that's an obvious one. Uh, they are part paying your invoices without giving any explanation why. So you're doing an invoice for $2,200 and you're getting paid $600. dollars mm-hmm. Uh, with no explanation why why it's a part payment you you may get unusually late payments so you know you you may be in the industry where people don't pay you on time usually but you know they they, they instead of paying you at net 30 days, they suddenly pay you at ninety days or over on some invoices. They're things that um, may raise suspicion just unusual things with the particular, customer mm-hmm. in, in relation to the payments that are coming into you that's unusual compared to what's going on in the past?
0: Yeah, Dave did mention that as one of the top three, just the um, noticing an extended payment term, payment pattern. So they're starting mm. to pay a little bit later. Um, so you've just reconfirmed that. We've We've heard a lot about insolvency holidays around the world and what they're about, how they impact companies that are trying to collect debt. Can you give us a bit of a layman's explanation of what this insolvency holiday is in Australia?
2: Yes. So under the Corporations Act in Australia, there's a duty on directors of companies not or to prevent insolvent trading by the company. So that means that if the business is insolvent, unable to pay its debts as and when it falls due, it should not be incurring more debts. And if they do incur debts, then the directors are personally liable for those debts in the event the company goes into liquidation. Under the provisions or the new legislation that the government brought in during the COVID lockdown period, they said that during this year, whilst um, there's um, COVID is around, that the duty to prevent insolvent trading being put on directors is put on hold in relation to ordinary course of business debts that they're incurring so there is no insolvent trading risk for directors of companies whilst they're incurring debts in the ordinary course of business even if their company is insolvent so that's the holiday that was put in place in Australia it was it was put in for six months it's now been extended out until the 31st of December this year so uh they, directors can safely incur debts whilst the company's insolvent, providing their, 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 their sort of ordinary course of business for that company's style debts and not have to be worried about uh, insolvent trading. And then there was some other pr- things that the government put in place to um, make um, things more difficult for creditors to wind up or bankrupt um uh, companies or, or individuals running businesses in Australia as well. So that's really the, insolvent, the insolvency holiday provisions that have been put in place to keep businesses running during the COVID period.
0: Right. And um, when, um, when when we did have a chat, you you did mention that there was some different ways or looking at different ways or new ways to try and collect debts that ha- that you've seen at Turks mm. anyway because of this uh, six month period. Can yep. you talk us through some of those uh, options that are available and why they are used or not used or haven't been used?
2: Yes. Yeah, so with creditors, where you have um, debtors that aren't paying you, the sort of the, the, the classic way to put pressure on them for payment and to get up the queue, in terms of um, you know when they when you're not the only creditor, is to issue proceedings in court. If you haven't been able to resolve it without proceedings. If they if they ignore the proceedings to get a judgment against them, and then what um a lot of creditors will do with armed with a judgment against a creditor to put pressure on for payment is to issue a statutory demand, which which is a um the precursor to the winding up of the business and hopefully get paid on that. Or if it's an individual issue a bankruptcy notice which requires payment in 21 days or there's an act of bankruptcy. And those methods which um, have always been used by creditors um, where they're not getting paid on their judgments by delinquent debtors uh, has been put on hold in 2020 uh, because the government said, well, we're going to extend the time for those, for debtors to respond to those um, statute demands and bankruptcy notices from their creditors, from a 21-day period out to a six-month period. Mm. So it made it very unattractive for creditors to go down that path um, because uh, the debtors would just ignore them. So what um, uh, creditors have had to do this year and those who have been well-advised is to look at alternate ways to put pressure on delinquent customers to pay um, outstanding debts without going through that Um, sort of insolvency notices type period in the past. And um, the main ones which have sort of come back into vogue this year where uh, we've seen creditors having some successes, one is sending the court sheriff out to the premises to seize assets to um, pay off a judgment debt. That was, was used in the past, but it is being used you know, three or four times as much now at the moment, and the courts are really geared up to help creditors with that. So, it's it's simply you have a judgment, you can file a notice with the with the court, and the court will send out a sheriff, knock on the door of the of the of the debtor, the debtor's company premises, or it's an individual at their home, and say, listen, we're going to have to see some assets to for us to sell. That is the sheriff to sell to repay your creditor, and that um, puts pressure on that debtor. Uh, he might say, no, no, please don't do that. We'll organise payments straight away or assets will be seized and then the creditor will get a notice from the sheriff saying, we've got these assets, um, we're going to um, sell them and make a payment off your debt. So that's come back in flavour with, with with many creditors mm-hmm. over the last six months and, um, and and there's been some success with that. And another one which has been used is... Um, the uh, de- 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 sort of debtor's examination. So what you can do is in all jurisdictions in Australia, when you've got a judgment, you can issue a notice on the debtor to um, detail what their assets and liabilities are. And you can organise for the debtor to be examined by an officer of the court or the creditor at court and ask, be asked questions about his or her um, or the company's financial position so the creditor can then arm with that information, make a decision as to what enforcement methods they might want to use when they when they hear about what assets may be available. And, and a good one that people have been using is the garnashee order. And the garnashee order is where if you've identified that somebody owes money to your uh, debtor, then you can tell the court about that and the court can make an order that that third party pays you direct instead of paying... Your debtor. A good example is if during the examination you identify that um, the um, debtor has a bank account with Westpac and there's twenty five thousand dollars in the bank account, the court will make an order that Westpac pays money to you to discharge your debt uh, as a creditor, and that gets used a lot. And you know it's not just banks; you could have um, an employer who owes the money or a third party you're aware of that owes the money. The court will order that they pay the the um, creditor with the benefit of the judgment back that directly. So that's these are things that people have had to do in use in this period where the sort of fast track threat, threatening insolvency um, if they don't pay where well, they should be wound up because they're just not paying their debts um, is not being used at the moment. I, I remember being involved in a matter and it was we had a debtor's examination. And the particular debtor company was based up in Newcastle mm. and I attended court for the examination um, up in Newcastle and the debtor arrived um, and, and, and they told us about how they had a, this bank account and had a lot of money in it. Yeah. And um, I just went to the court straight after the examination and filed um, the notice um, yeah. in, in, in relation to the uh, bank account. And the judgment debt was discharged straight away, yes. so it was wow. it was a really great result for the client on that one.
1: Yeah, and wow. in my experience, Daniel, and tell me if you agree, sometimes uh, creditors looking at their credit applications that the you know the buyers put in, that's sometimes where you can actually get some bank information. At times, we've certainly used that in the past. Mm. Um, yeah, you're right.
2: You're right. And it's 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 always you know um, people who are looking at these dig out the files and look at what information you've got and yeah. what they provided at that credit application credit application time especially if it was recent yeah. so it's very helpful yep
1: i've got a couple of follow up questions um we've had several cases over the last year or so where the matter like in the construction industry where the matter's gone to adjudication and we've mm. sort of gotten a i'm not sure of the exact legal term but like a structured binding payment schedule from the adjudicator's findings Mm -hmm. Um, Is that something that you've uh, seen used a lot uh, in the course of your business? Uh,
2: It it, it has been used but not used a lot and I think Mm. it it, it can be used by creditors in the building and construction industry so much more. Mm. And uh, so under what they call security for payment legislation, which is in every state in Australia, but they've got different rules and different benefits for creditors in each state. But if you're a... Um, supplier to the building industry. And we're not just talking about um, subcontractors. It can be good suppliers um, who supply to site. It can be um, lawyers who do work in, for building construction industry or, or architects um, or, um, uh, you know, plumbers. Mm. Anybody who does work in the building construction industry, they have the benefit of this legislation. And what it does is that um, where you've issued your invoice or they call it they've got different names for it like a payment claim but you issue your invoice and you do it in accordance with the the rules um under the security for payments legislation and they don't dispute it within a certain period of time that is your um debtor doesn't dispute it that rather than going to court and suing on the invoice you can uh have it adjudicated on Mm. under the legislation and the adjudicator within a quick time frame, has to um, look at um, your invoice as to look at any dispute that was raised and then make a decision on it. And once he's made or her has made a decision on that um, unpaid invoice, it gets registered as a judgment um, very quickly. Yes. And there's some other huge benefits for um, creditors who do that in that once you've applied for an adjudication, or at least in New South Wales, that you can give notice of that to um, the principal contractor above your debtor on the building site. So that may be a developer or um, or somebody who's employed your particular um, uh, debtor there. Yes, and say um, we've applied for this adjudication and please hold off paying them any money that's due to them for this work because um, under the New South Wales legislation, once you've got um, that. Um, adjudication and judgment you can get the head contractor to pay you direct that's fascinating that. that's yeah. that's
1: such a that's such a interesting uh and useful method i think for for, for mm. the clients um i've also got yeah, something but, yeah,
0: can i just quickly yeah. ask about that is it used a lot or is it um is there a lack of awareness of that um uh, security payment legislation the
2: security yeah, payment I, I, system. i think it's i think there's, there's a couple of reasons why it's not used as much as it could and one is that lack of awareness, but number two is that there's there's a cost associated with getting the adjudication, and it's not a huge amount. It, it depends on the size of the debt. It's, there's not really a scale. The adjudicator sets the price, and it's not something that gets added onto a judgment like it would if you went to court and sued on it. Yeah. So, um, you know, you've got to weigh up the cost of going down that path. Um as against the cost of filing a statement of claim and solicitors' fees of a statement of claim and getting a judgment and the extra time in 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 court. But for disputed matters, it can be much quicker. Yeah. Going yeah. through and getting and getting a result on the on on, on an invoice and, a, and, a, and a, especially if they're disputing it. And you've got these benefits where you can go up the chain that you don't have as quickly in the court process.
1: Yes, indeed. Yeah. Um, I've got another question for you as well, uh, Daniel. Something yeah. our solicitors uh, have talked about. Um, okay, you've got a judgment, all, all right, and mm-hmm. let's assume for the sake of argument you've got a judgment, at, not just against the company, you've got one against like, a guarantor or against an individual. Um, yeah. Issuing a writ behind the judgment, getting the sheriff to go out to the debtor's premises and actually using the writ uh, as proof of insolvency when the sheriffs go to the debtor's property and they find insufficient assets... This is some advice that we've kind of heard about. Have you heard about this in your in your course of business?
2: This technique, uh, like like I think, as soon as um, somebody has a judgment entered against them mm. that's unsatisfied, yes, uh, and that creditor, you know, a, a, a liquidator of that particular debtor down the track would suggest that yes. the creditor should have suspicion of insolvency at that point in time, okay. right? So at a minimum. Yeah. Uh, so there's always that risk. You know, you've sued someone, they've ignored it, you've got a judgment against them. It's easy for, if they go, if they wound up later on a liquidator, to say, you must have had yes. some suspicion about the financial position of that company at that point in time for that very reason. So, but yes, yes. and as soon as you start moving into um, enforcement options, such as sending a sheriff out, Mm. That argument could be raised. But I think it's, in my view, it's probably not as big a thing to worry about as if you'd sent a statutory demand out, which expired, which is an act of insolvency in itself. I think that would be more likely to be regarded as suspicion of insolvency.
1: Okay. Um, Mm. Do you think that we'll see a flurry of wind-up notices when the government winds down all or most of the stimulus packages and there's an end to the insolvency holidays?
2: Yes, I think I I, I really do think it's likely there's going to be an increase in insolvencies next year. Mm. Number one reason is insolvencies have dropped off so much because of of the protection um, legislation that the government has put in this year by at least 50% and um, at at the moment at least 50% in administrations and liquidations and bankruptcies, probably even more by now. Uh, just to get back to the same levels as what we of what insolvencies were in Australia last year before any pandemic was around or 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 lockdowns, uh, it's going to be a huge jump up yeah. from where we are at the moment, um, next next year. Then you've got the additional ones that have happened because of the way businesses are, uh, are looking at their expenses um, since this has happened and and the flow on from the lockdown. On businesses, So I, I think there will be an increase winding up notices once they get back to 21 days. I think there's a lot of creditors who have obtained judgments, haven't had them satisfied and sat on them because um, they didn't want to, um, you know, go through with sheriffs or garnishee yes. orders or anything like that and, and maybe sitting on it and will say, all right, you know, the, the, the debt has had enough time now. Um, something needs to happen. We need to get a deal done, or or we're going to have to. Um, you know, you, you should be wound up and not be trading on anymore. Yeah, it sounds
1: like you'll be busy.
2: <laughs> oh, look, it, it, it's, we're well, unsure actually, but you know, the, that's what the experts are saying sure. that there's going to be more insolvencies, and the government is certainly suggesting that, and the and and the Reserve Bank. But we'll we'll um We'll, we'll, see. we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. of course.
1: Yeah, we'll
0: see. Um, I'm going to switch topic a little bit here because um, even going back talking about sheriffs takes me back to the Dukes of Hazard days. I haven't heard that word in such a long time. <laughs>
2: Boss Hog. <laughs> yeah. They you know, like policemen as well. Like they've got a uniform. Like they're a proper sheriff. Yeah. You know, wow. like Boss Hog. Yeah. Do
1: they get to carry a gun? I, I, I wouldn't yeah. mind it. You know. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs>
2: Probably just a stun gun, Dave. Just a stun okay. gun. Yeah. Maybe but I can underwater. switch careers. It's not. It's not nice for any. Debtor, yeah. uh, to have a knock on the door um, at home, it's an individual debtor, and answer the door, and there's um, two people in uniform. Yeah, yeah, yeah That's right. not nice, and that's and, and but yeah. it is something which um, uh, will put pressure on for payment, and and that it's, it's been that that method of judgment enforcement has been around forever. And uh, and it's also you know rocking up at the business and so they you'd imagine they never rock up at a good time, no. um, and so it's uh, you know it, it it does force some debtors to want to get rid of the problem quickly. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, if someone knocked on my door like that, I'd be worried. They'd take my Xbox and my TV. <laughs> I mean, <you> know, <laughs> they'd have to drag it away from me, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 scary,
0: yeah. Even scarier, they rock up and they've got masks on, you can't see anything.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. The they put stickers on the things yes. and, 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 yeah, on the assets and then say, all right, this oh, is wow. resolved, we're coming back for those ones with the stickers on them.
1: That's right, they <laughs> tag them, don't they? actually tag yeah. the goods and then, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's no, oh, interesting.
0: Okay, well, I'm going to talk a little bit about or ask a little bit about PPSA now because it's uh, 10 years since that legislation came into effect. Um, so happy birthday, PPSA. But what are, the, what are the two or three most common questions you still get on this topic? Because it's not a topic that ever is fully satisfied in terms of knowing everything about it.
2: Mm. Uh, I would say from our clients um, and, and many of our clients in terms of PPSA have to utilise PPSA because of their terms of trade where they um, retain title to goods that they've sold until they've been paid. And one of the main questions that we get is that how do we get stock lists from liquidators and administrators? So when their customer um, has unfortunately gone into insolvency administration and the creditor wants to take advantage of its um, agreement with that debtor that they still own unpaid goods, that they need to know, well, what goods are there on site? Um, that we can come and get back. and and it's it's always a question. we're not getting details of what our stock is out there by the administrators and liquidators. And the answer to that is that at those meeting of at the meeting of creditors that where you go to, you should be asking them there and get their agreement to give you um, a list of stock to avoid you having to uh, go to court to get orders in your favour for production of those lists of stock. And the administrators and liquidators have got obligations under the legislation to account to creditors for the sale of their stock, which is subject to retention of title um, and, and properly registered on the PPSA. So there's no reason why they shouldn't give those lists over and you should be asking at those meetings. So that's that, that's certainly a really common question we get all the time. How are we gonna get the list of our stock there? Another question that comes up often is um, about how do we register properly and why is it that um, some of our competitors have more than one registration Mm. against uh, their customer on the PPSA? And the reason why you might see people or creditors or suppliers with security interests having more than one registration is because the way that the Act is drafted and the regulations are drafted is that You need to have a different registration for for different types of security interests that you may have. And creditors may have more than one type of security interest in their terms of trade with a customer. For example, some customers not only have a retention of title interest over goods that they've sold that haven't been paid for, they may also have a general charge security interest over all assets of their customer until their invoices have been paid. They're two separate security interests. One, an interest over the goods they've supplied and another security interest over all assets owned by their customer, any assets, uh, just like a bank would have security over an asset to a business, secure a finance facility, and, and you need to have a different registration for each one. And if you don't, um, you miss out on on one of those security interests.
1: See, um, so Daniel, the question is: Was life better or worse before the PPSA? Uh, I,
2: I think it was um, actually better for lawyers. Right. Um, but but for <laughs> for, for, for uh, which is going to be music to the ears of 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 creditors and businesses yes. out there. Uh, uh, for um creditors in a goods provided on credit situation, I think it's much better mm. than it was in the past. And the reason being is this. Under the pre-PPSA rules, to enforce your retention of title security interests, you had to write to administrators or liquidators on their appointment, tell them about how you've supplied goods and here's our terms of trade and please don't deal with the goods. And if they didn't come to terms with you or they ignored you, you're, you would have to go to court and get relief against them dealing with your goods and to account to you on sale of the goods or you go and be able to collect your goods back. Yeah. Since the PBSA has come in, creditors that have got their house in order and properly registered on the PBSA, their security interests, are in a much better position in that the administrator or liquidator must deal with them because um, the registration's there. And if the liquidator or administrator makes a decision to ignore them, and go off and deal with their goods, they will suffer the consequences later because of the registration that's on there. And so it, things have reversed in that the administrators and liquidators now write to creditors mm. who they see on the register and say, please tell us about your interests and please tell us which goods that you're claiming over. And, you know, there's, there's always still going to be arguments as to whether or not they've, they've, they've got a security in their terms of trade, whether or not they can identify their stock, all that sort of stuff which you had in the past. But they're forced to deal with the creditors now and, and they've got a obligation under the legislation to account to them on the sale of um, stock subject to PPSA and um, debtor receipts for the on sale of, of, of PPSA security interest. So I think it's much better for creditors mm. subject to them having those creditors having their house in order.
1: Yes, yeah, that that's really important, mm-hmm. and I mean, and that's what I see in our experience in the collections department. Like the, the the clients that we have who have they have their house in order, they they think it's a it's been a big plus. Really, that's that's the verdict I've had over the last you know it's yes. x many years. It's yes. ten years yeah. now, which is unbelievable, but it's it's flown by.
2: Yeah, and, and 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 you know, administrators and liquidators who look at the register, they look at the terms, and they say, you know, what these people have got. Security interest. Um, there's all this goods there, and, and the savvy administrators and liquidators know which creditors are going to be able to identify their goods, know how good the records are of the company to, for people to identify their stock. They usually go to them pretty quickly and try and get resolutions made as as fast as they can. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and and it's there's, there's there's more situations now of of administrators and liquidators sort of rushing off to court early in large asset administrations to get orders allowing them to deal with the stock
1: mm-hmm.
2: because they know that um, they have to deal with those secure creditors or account to them later on. So there, there, there's more pressure on, on the administrators and liquidators now to, to um, include those creditors in, in discussions early.
0: Yeah. Um, well, also I to talk about, draft legislation so still on the insolvency subject mm-hmm. but we understand that there's some draft legislation being tabled that's um potentially going to introduce a new type of insolvency classification yeah about a hundred page document wondering if you could just enlighten us a little bit on that and um let us know what you know about
2: it so far mm. yeah well there's there, there's been some draft legislation um uh that, that's been released and you know, it's it's been subject to comment by various bodies at the moment, with interests in, in in how in in how it's going to affect creditors and liquidators and the insolvency process. But in short, what the government is introducing is um, a sort of fast track insolvency style administration for companies with debts of less than a million dollars, where um, they can keep trading on, and a um, not an insolvency administration uh, administrator, but a what, they, what they're going to call a small business restructuring practitioner comes in and negotiates with all the creditors to try to get a deal done uh, on their debts. And um, unlike a classic administration where, um, you know, the company gets put in the hands of, of an insolvency administrator in this one, the directors keep running the company and, uh, you know, it, it keeps rolling on. The their small business, there's a moratorium on on creditors being able to take action against the company during that period. So creditors have to stand back. Um, they can't chase guarantees. They can't go and get their goods back. Nothing like that can happen. Um, the company keeps trading on for a period of time. And the small business restructuring practitioner who, you know, it'll be either, you know, someone who's usually a liquidator or it looks like the government's trying to include some other type of people in that, but it hasn't been set in stone yet. But they will be saying to all the creditors, "Listen, um, this is what's available for you. If we can't get a deal done on this, um, that the company, you know, may go into insolvency administration. But this is what we can do now, and the company keeps rolling on, and 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 you know, you'll still be a supplier and all this sort of stuff. So, so that's what." um the government is looking to bring in so we'll see what happens um uh with that and and and, and it's and it's, it's really trying to sort of fast track it and and have a cheaper style insolvency process so rather than having a lot of more insolvencies around the place that deals can be done outside of the sort of classic administration then a deed of company arrangement which is um which which the government certainly thinking is, is, is going to be more expensive and take more time than what they're trying to put in place here.
1: Okay.
0: And I wonder whether, I wonder whether companies will still be able, those kind of companies who opt for this sort of insolvency, mm. which, as I said, has a sort of sounds a little bit like um, the US insolvency, but I wonder whether people will still want to trade with them and give them credit terms. If you've got a debt unpaid... And that's sort of frozen in time for a period of time. You're dealing with the same directors, the same people, yeah. the same goods. Um, they still need credit terms to keep going. Otherwise, they wouldn't have f- filed for this sort of um, insolvency. So I'd be interested to see if it does come into play, how and why people will continue to deal with them and provide them with that credit to keep that company going.
2: Yeah, we're interested to see how that legislation ends up on that because one of the main things with with the current... Um, administration process under the existing legislation is where the administrator is running the company, trading on and needs more goods. He's personally liable for yeah, the purchase of those goods. That's comforting. And yeah,
0: that's comforting. It's comforting,
2: yeah. And um, with this one, that won't be the case. And so, you know, you're, you're, you've you're got the company, if it orders more goods, um, you, you shouldn't be under an obligation to provide unless um, there was a deal on foot earlier, which says that you've got to um, supply or, for example, a pre-appointment um, order that needs to be satisfied because, you know, they're putting in clauses in there. It looks like that, um, uh, like ipso facto clauses you can't rely on. So you can't, if you're subject to a, um, a existing contract to supply, you can't get out of it because of this um appointment but we'll wait to see what the legislation says but if you're a order by order type supplier like most creditors in um, a a trade credit goods sold and delivered type scenario then really if they order more goods it's a new order and I I would have thought you could say well no I'm not going to supply you unless these other things happen or I I have some sort of security Um, question mark about uh, orders that were made before the appointment that haven't, you know, the goods haven't been supplied yet, you know, yeah. by the way that they're, they're drafting it and we'll see how the final version comes out.
1: You know, yeah, yeah. there may be
2: some pressure to, to, to still supply. If you had to like, this is, this is kind of a very open question.
1: Do you think this uh, new legislation is a good thing for Australia and who would be the winners and losers? Like if you had to just wrap that
2: up, what would you think? Uh, yeah, it's, that's, 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 that's a good question. I, I think that with, Um, Any situation where you've got an insolvent company that's going to go into administration and there's some other process where (laughs) something can be done quickly where creditors um, by agreement can take um, a payment rather than waiting through a a lengthy sort of insolvency process, insolvency administration process could be better because, you know, so much cost um, goes to you know insolvency practitioners in, in in insolvency administrations. They've got they've got a lot of work to do, mm. and dealing with a lot of people and realization of assets. a lot of costs involved. Anything where um, everybody's happy with a quick deal being done, um, I think is a good thing. Uh, so, but a lot of people questioning this is with any new legislation. People question it. You know, how, you know, there may not be that many companies that go, in, they're in this situation that have debts of less than a million dollars. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what that um, what that threshold's going to be when they finalise it, once they've got feedback from all the all the relevant parties. Mm. Mm. But it will be something for everyone to think about. And, you know, how, you know, it will be quite stressful for creditors where you get notification of this and then sort of nothing's happening for weeks um, and, and you're, you know, being put in a position to compromise on your debts where you sort of think you know i might do this compromise and then the company's rolling on business as usual um uh um, in a few weeks time so but you know it's and and they may never have been really thinking about insolvency administration anyway just sort of taking advantage of this so we'll see what we'll see what happens
0: yeah that definitely is one to watch yeah um well, I just wanted to say thanks, Daniel. It's been really interesting listening to um, your thoughts on some of these topics. And thanks so much for joining us. Interesting listening to your talk as well. Uh, it's been great. Thank thanks you, so much,
1: Daniel. We've really thank enjoyed you, it. Um, it's been an honour to have you on. Okay,
2: good on you. Thanks Thanks for having me. Cheers. Thanks. Bye.
0: Bye. Bye.